Welcome to Big Blend Radio's art show featuring Victoria Chick, a contemporary figurative artist and early 19th and 20th century print collector. Welcome, everybody. Today, uh, we are excited to talk about the art of engraving, which is pretty interesting. When you think about engraving, um, Nancy and I recently went to Two Trees Distilling with our friend Stephen Karen, um, who run the line on the Rosebed and Breakfast in Asheville, North Carolina. We do a show with them. And we went to Two Trees Distilling. Uh, Joe was on our show talking about their whiskeys and bourbons. And and he said, well, when you come back to Asheville, you need to come. And we're like, all right, we'll come do a podcast on tasting, which we did. It was fun. Uh, Victoria knows we like bourbon, whiskey, wine, all those good things in life. And what we found out is their newest thing is that they are doing engravings on glass, on bottles and artwork can be done. And and then I thought, wow, we're going to be talking about the art of engraving with Victoria. And now it's like really interesting to see this huge machine that they have and how they can do it on different bottles and different things, depending on how the art is turned in. And now I'm going, where did the history start with this? Because they didn't have these machines way back when, right? Victoria, welcome back. How are you? Oh, thank you, Lisa. Yeah, they didn't have those machines way back then. <laughs> and yes, I'm doing really well. <laughs> and I'm glad, glad to be able to talk about this with you. Uh, it's interesting that they're using glass. I've heard of etching glass um, mm-hmm. before, but I haven't, I haven't heard of engraving glass. So that's, that's a process that I don't know about. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because people, you know, they have their bottles of bourbon and, and they're flat. Very good bourbon, yeah. by the way, and whiskey. And yeah, so what great. they do is they engrave like a logo, somebody wants something special, or like if it's a wedding or something. But like we've had glasses um, with the map of Tucson and the map of Arizona wrapped around them. Mm. And you can okay. actually feel it. Yeah. So it yeah. is digging into the glass. So it's, oh. so I'm, well, now maybe, that, maybe that, everyone's that, saying engraving of... versus etching. Yeah. No, hmm. well, well. You know, I don't know. <laughs> With modern things, sometimes sometimes people borrow words, but that doesn't mean you know. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but if but what they're doing is probably akin to really ancient times when when they weren't printed on paper. You know, that's big engraving or etching or whatever whatever process they were using wasn't printed on paper to be to be sold <laughs> um mm-hmm. it, it was just into the into the metal or in in this case uh they're doing they're doing a a, a process that that makes uh indentations in the glass mm-hmm. and i i'm not familiar i'm not familiar with with the engraving um aspect of that but um back when uh, in the middle ages when they were when people were wearing armor <laughs> uh a lot more than they do now uh, they, they did use um, a, an engraving process um, because they, they, these knights and so forth that wore the wore the armor wanted to have them decorated, and oh. they were yeah. So what they would do it was there the armor the armorers um, would put some designs on. They were they were pretty skilled, but they weren't quite as skilled um, at that delicate kind of work as jewelers were. So eventually 
jewelers sort of t- took over the the um, the work of being engravers because they were used to working with metal. And um, okay. so so and I've I've done I did I did one engraving in my lifetime back at college it was it was um, very difficult medium because it requires so much control and so much so much strength to push this V-shaped gouge, tiny, tiny V-shaped gouge through metal, like they're making a furrow. Yeah. And, and, um, I can't, I mean, it, it was, it, for me, for, a, for somebody who is 19 years old, it was, it was not, it was not, uh, easy. And in fact, it was kind of frustrating because you've seen, I had seen good and good engravings and I, mine certainly did not measure up to them. So, so um, I did not pursue engraving, but it, but it's a really really interesting topic, like you say. And um, every time I see engravings from the past, especially, um, I'm amazed, really amazed mm. at at the at the detail and the the ability to make the shapes, but but make the make the illusion of three dimensions you know with with shading and cross hatching and and uh, all the elements that go that go into uh 3d work it it is pretty incredible because now you know we've got computers working and ai here comes the world of ai which we i don't even get into that on you know just like (laughs) i've looked at a you know artificial intelligence art and there's just no soul Uh to it it just seems so flat and like dead yeah and perfect you know yeah. what I mean it's not it's just there's nothing messy or emotion that I don't know it just sucks to me that's my opinion well yeah and that doesn't right. mean I mean, it's you, right you know yeah it's just, it's, it's, it's it, it would appeal to somebody who's um who's detail oriented and um information oriented I think um, people who are very expressive or, um, you know, really like um, a loose kind of connection there to, to what what is in the art mm. are not going to be really attracted to it, you know. But no. but there there'll be a market there'll be a market for it because it's new yeah. and because it's, it's different and um, people like new and different things. It's going to be in those houses that everything's so over contemporary and cold. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like contemporary is fine. I'm into that. But then there's yeah. that that side where they step into like it's almost too like, you know, I know here we run magazines, but we have warmth in our magazines. We're a little different, yeah. you know, but there's those ones that are just everything is so cold. And then it's like, OK, in real estate, do you want it to be that cold? Maybe they do. Yes, they do. And so it's kind <laughs> of a very interesting thing of happening but I find and and I brought it up because engraving is interesting with that because of having this exactness you know using computers like what they're doing with this engraving on glass it's like if you're doing someone's logo you need to replicate that logo and you know when we were talking to them there and they were at the very beginning of this newer technology and they're like well we're, we're gonna be messing with this for a couple of weeks and Obviously, they're looking at the holiday season, you know, and everything. Sure. But um, if it's something for weddings, you know, they do the engraving on on glass, you know, uh, glasses like champagne glasses. But sure. sometimes it's not actually getting into the glass. You know what I mean? So it's kind of this, intri- it, 
I don't know how to explain it, but do you, it's not. Do you, do you, t- tell me something about it. Uh, let me ask you a couple of questions because you've you've seen this and you've you I assume you've you've held these things like the glasses. And if you run your fingers across them, is there a slight uh, indentation? Yeah, there, there's a roughness and an indentation. So they're actually engraving okay. on glass because um, it's on stupid. their bottles and they can do it on yeah. coasters. So not just glass, yeah. like they have wooden coasters that they engrave on it. And and then so when the where the like if it's wooden or like cork or something, mm-hmm. so it's light. Yeah. And where they engrave on it is an indentation, and it's a dark brown because that's okay. So that this whatever they're doing with this machine is doing like exact replications, but you have to know your sure. material. You have to you have to. Yeah. Under, it's just like printing. It's it's like you know I look at what we used to do with printing the magazine, but it was topical. Right, so it wasn't yeah. in, indenting at all, but it yeah. like it, it had the it was surface. It, it, yeah, yeah. So the first batch of magazines would go out. They would start tightening up the stretch on the on the on the actual printing machine, right? And so yeah. it was like, oh, you finally honed it down to its exact as best you can because you're putting all this full color ink. And all these different plates yep. are doing all this. And, and I mean, when we were printing back in the day, we were typesetting and printing. And now, yeah. we're, you know, everything's going from on a computer image right to a printing press, which didn't exist right. when we first started. So that's how young Nancy and I are. And then, you know, then you go from the process of film and all of that has changed. But the one thing stays the same. The amount of ink going on to the press it means how much is this paper you like there's a art to how much ink is going on the stretching of the paper so the ink doesn't roll off there's a soaking you know what i mean yeah right and then and you dry it so when you get it honed in it's like awesome well 20 30 down the line everything starts (laughs) to go screw you I'm 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 tired of stretching my stretch, you know, because you're still dealing with this. Um, it it's a it's it's still malleable. It, paper is, um, yeah, it's organic, right? So yeah, right. Going to glass, which is organic, but if they get glass that is a little thicker than before or a little thinner, whatever right. they're doing in engraving is going to change. So. That's interesting to me because it's yeah. um, and then going back to history with you guys talking about these guys with the metal and these engravers and jewelers, how they did it without the precision of computers is beyond my mind. It's beyond my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I know what, exactly what you mean, uh, because it is it is amazing. And, and as I say, I tried it and I'm even more amazed that they were they were so good. Hmm. Oh golly! Now, what you mentioned about the glass. One other, one other technique that that is done with glass is sandblasting, and that's mm. that's changed too because of because of computer ability that they could, that the that the the energy of the sand, of the sand or the grit hitting the glass carves it out, but it's so much more precise. Because hmm. of the computers, so so the, an edge is the true edge, 
it's not the 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 etching doesn't sort of bleed into the, into the glass that you want to be very man smooth. So that's another interesting technique. Um, wow. What we well, talk, now what we I wonder. About, I just want to touch on this, like you know, we talk about AI, but what about three D printing? It's kind of like the opposite of engraving because it's building instead of indenting. It's kind of like this. Here we've got. 3D and 3D printing to me is weird. I mean, they're making hamburgers out of 3D, 3D printing. 3D, 3D, 3D printing is like sculpture. Yeah, it's, it's like the opposite. It's, it's different. Yeah, it's different than engraving. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. complete opposite. You know, and so right. engraving, are they doing it backwards? Like, not like are they flipping it? So, like, if you're engraving a cow, and the artist said, "Here's my cow," and you know, the cow is the face is pointing to the right and the body is going to the left, right? So butt to the left, okay. face to the right. Now when they engrave yeah. it, are they flipping it and doing the face to the left and the butt to the right? <laughs> no. No. What, oh. what you, it's no different it's wait a second. Wait a second. It's no different in the printing in the actual printing process, it's no different than than any other printing process. You're gonna get a reverse image. When you pull pull the paper, the reverse image of of oh, what wow. you thought thought you had. See, so um, but I like I that you said what you thought you had. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway anyway, printing printing is different. You do you do you usually have to you have to think in re, think in reverse because you're going to get a reverse image of of from what is on the on the plate as after it goes through the press because you've you've put your paper down and now you pull it off and um what was facing left is now facing right mm. okay so okay. <laughs> anyway <laughs> okay so uh, yeah that's exact that's what i was saying it's going to be reversed but, yeah so when so basically whatever the artist does is going to be in reverse and the artist if they know they're going to have it engraved has to think in an opposite mind. Like you have well, to use both sides of your brain big time. Right. And he might be able to, you know, uh, he might be able to do that. You know, I mean, you see buildings and, and he, people, one of the, one of the reasons that, that engravings sort of blossomed in the whole oh, like 17th, 18th and 19th centuries is because People were traveling more. They wanted, they would go places and they wanted a souvenir and they couldn't afford a painting. So um, these engravings became very popular because they would see, see a work by a famous artist and then this engraver would come along and he would copy that image um, and, mm. and sell it for much, a much reduced price. So the people were really happy. They, they had the image they wanted, not in color. But um, but it was a reminder of their of their trip, which which you know people people will always visit souvenir shops, and they they said they wanted souvenirs in the in the uh, broke and classical era. So so um, okay, I, so I got to go back. You know, the engravings served a, served a purpose besides just besides being you know really nice art themselves. So I have to go back. So the engravings were first on armor and metal and things, right? Then at one point, history said, okay, we are going to, it's almost like creating a mold, right? 
for the ink to run into the engraving and then it goes on paper or is it Lisa, I want, I, that's a, it's a good question. And, uh, it's, it started off very simply because the people that were doing the armor wanted to keep a record of what they had done because they might, this customer might come back and want the same kind of design on, on the next piece of armor that he had. So what they would do is they would just take a piece of, of, paper well it wasn't the kind of paper we think of as paper today it was it was much uh probably more like uh some kind of skin like a vellum and they would they would ink the armor and then they would press this paper against it and the, the ink would co- come off on the paper so it was just kind of a, a fragment of what their whole design was but it was enough for them to keep a record of it and that's how that's how the trans the idea of transferring the design with ink started, and that continued probably until the 1600s when somebody came up with a bright idea, a jeweler probably, uh, at the request of an artist to do an to do an engraving of his painting or an engraving of his drawing. and then they would they started selling those as artworks themselves. So it was no longer considered a record so much as it was a piece of artwork. Okay. Wow. So when you think about, so it becomes an artwork. So at that point, that's how this whole process of artists being able to reproduce their art. So when you were talking about people seeing, you know, tourists seeing these amazing buildings and and getting that engraved piece, that's where I was going like, Hey, they're getting this engraved piece, but was it on metal, like on a trinket? which you can you can get these days, right? Or was it right. like as a print? So you said they weren't in full color at that point. At that point, it was like black and white or whatever they it was, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just black and white. And sometimes they would, you know, call, well, a little bit later on, the, the engravers got sort of set up their own business because tourism started being a really a much bigger thing in the 17th and 18th centuries. And people, like you say, they wanted a, a souvenir. And so the engravers would wait, not wait to be commissioned by the artist to do a picture of their, or an engraving of their work or their, or their pictures. Um, they would just go into business for themselves and start, they would go to a museum, say, and they would copy. They would copy a famous artist's artwork and um, they would sell that. But they still, I think it's interesting, they still would not, um claim credit for it they would say this is it this is like an all this is an albrecht durer uh engraving but uh, albrecht durer (laughs) was had just been copied by this guy who was an engraver and um and and that i think that's an offshoot of what happened you know early on when when artists would ask an engraver to to do do work on their you know with their design or their picture and um and they were ne- and they were never credited for, credited with it because because the their work was considered menial a menial task you know which is like is really funny because it was certainly something that required an amazing amount of skill um it was it was not the same i mean i mean ditch diggers were menial tasks and engravers were considered in the same category which which is hard for us to understand you know but um that's just the way it was back in the in the 1600s so um 
I think um, now you, if, if you if you were going to go out and look at um, look at an art gallery, mm-hmm. uh, you'd see lots of engravings, and what you see in a gallery might be something that the artist has 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 commissioned of somebody else to do and under his name and it might be a reproduction much later and will still be called by the name of the artist the original artist um so it's very, it's very difficult because the back way back until well until the 20th century really people artists did not sign their work in pencil underneath underneath the picture which they which they did started doing that in you know just in the 20th century and um when the artist is signed in in, in pencil you know that, that that he actually put his hand <laughs> put his hand to it and he have he was actually involved if you're looking you might be looking at a picture that doesn't have that, uh, say, of, I'm not using Albrecht Durer as an example. There were all kinds of other ones. Um, um, if At that time, they weren't signing, so you don't know exactly when that, that, that engraving was done. So, I mean, the artist may have been dead for 200 years. And wow. you, you, don't, you don't know that. I mean, and they still are valuable. They, they really are. Um, it's just they're just not as value, valuable as um, something that you know, you can you can trace the ownership of it. <clears throat> Probably is the best way to do that. Trace the ownership ship back to back to when the last owner, uh, first owner, excuse me, bought it for, directly from the artist. So it's still possible to do that. It's it's really fascinating to me because it's kind of like a copycat thing in a way, right? And <laughs> in a yet way, now, yeah. yeah, you know, then you get artists who go, ooh, I see, I can be, you know, look at Ted DeGrazi, where we talk about, you know, him <clears throat> being one of the most reproduced yeah. artists in the world. He he went, you know what? I know how to make, yeah. you know, art for the masses. And he had yeah. like a collective of people copying his art, and then reproducing it in different ways on textiles yeah. on everything. So, right. you know, some artists were like, Hey, you know, I know how to survive and make money. Some were capitalistic <laughs> yeah, yeah. and what's wrong with that? You know? Yeah. I'd, yeah. You know, each to their own. Yes. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. As long as people understand what they're buying, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and with, with, with Ted, they know. And with Ted, he's probably authorized it because oh, he wants well, people to, yeah, you know, you're, I, you're really and right. people who authorize you ought to you by authorizing you ought to be able to get a part of what of what yeah. it brings essentially. Well, which well is glance, a lot like, glance, glance at Degrassi a gallery in the sun. Most of his day is spent answering people, going, "That's not an original. This is that's a yeah. print. That's a copy." Because people don't know the difference. No, if and, it's and framed, it's good that he he can do that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's most yeah. of his day. And they have a consignment room in the gallery of where if someone's, uh-huh. you know, doing an estate sale or something, they try to get as much of the original art back, actually, yeah. and yeah. Um, purchase it or put it on consignment and help them sell it. So at least it's yeah. in its correct place to do it with the correct information. 
but yeah, because DeGrazia did stuff. I mean, he would sit and right. he'd go to a bar and scribble on a piece of paper and sell it for five bucks for a drink or whatever, you know. And, <laughs> sure, and, right. and you know, so you never, yeah, so it's an original when he does that. But when it's like something <laughs> yeah, from an engraved, yeah, so when they do engravings and then that becomes a mainstream, does that get like numbered like a print would be numbered? Like, because it is still a print. From no, they, they, didn't, they didn't do that. And um, Ooh, that's what, hard. You, what, what, what you see, I mean, and you've got to figure, you've got to figure it's the 16th or even the 17th century. Who's, who's going to, who's going to know, um, who's going to know who that, who, how, how far out their uh, prints are going to be sold. So most of the people that, you know, they're, they're, they're very provincial when they're when they're marketing their marketing is provincial people come to them from another country maybe but the locals the locals you know i mean it's a, it was it was so simple back back then um uh what one of the things you see today and i i notice it particularly because i'm i'm a collector and i look at a lot of auction um possibilities a lot of auction send me catalogs every day online and I sift through them. I mean, sometimes I'll get four and five in one day from different auction houses. And I look through them. Um, you can see what's coming up for sale and how it's, how it's described, which is really interesting. You can see a picture of it. Um, so you have an idea of what it is, but so many um items or um i mean are they'll, they'll list the artist that did the, the original artist that did the design this the picture and they'll if they're honest which I'm, most auction houses are they'll say like uh picasso or, or they'll have picasso in big letters and there were and then in small letters they'll have after a-f-t-e-r and that means Somebody has, has taken Picasso's picture and made a reproduction, basically. And people okay. people that people that don't know better think they're getting a Picasso original. Oh, gosh, I've got something that was done by Picasso, and and, and that's that's okay. They they what maybe they just like the picture. They 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 are intrigued by the. The, the the design they like the colors it goes over their sofa really well and and um it fits in their house and they're happy with it and um it's just that it's just that when you see something like a picasso that's for sale for $54 and a starting bid you know that something is not kosher here so so um you know you're not getting an original you know you should know that so, um, but there's a so lot this of is, that. Ooh, this is really hard I, for collectors to know it. Like you're going to have to do it, some it, research. Well, if you're, if you're, if you're a collector, um, if you've collected for a while, you've, you come to realize what's, what's good and what isn't, or not, I should say good, what's legitimate they're calling it a legitimate description. If they're making a, uh, making a, uh, something out of it that it, you know can't be true. I mean, Picasso's sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
and when you get one for 54, <laughs> you know, you know, something's not right. So you have, you take, you learn, you learn to be suspicious and you learn to be, um, canny in what you're, what you're seeing and to sift through it, um, before you buy. But I, I mean, um, there's an, it depends what your goal is. If you're if you're trying to collect something that has a value because it was made by an artist you res, whose work you respect, that's different than just wanting to decorate uh, a room in your house. So and each, exactly. and either one of the I mean there's there's a, each one is legitimate for that for that person, but they just need to need to know what the differences are. So they don't, they're not being cheated. Wow. So it's just or they're really not, getting, yeah. 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 And that's, you know, it's more like they're cheating. Well, I shouldn't say they're cheating themselves because I, because the auction houses will put clues on there that, that tell you what to, what it is. Just like putting the word after on there, but you have to know what it means. Hmm. So, so anyway, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So that becomes but that's part of collecting is that fascination and yeah. this backstory and the interest. You know, sometimes you're just right. you know taken by an image, and other people may not be taken yeah. by it, but you are. And then you find sure. out this crazy backstory. You know all about yeah. that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's it's and it's hard to tell online. I mean, if you can go to an auction, you can see things close up. And and like you, like we've talked about before, when you go to a, a museum or or a gallery, you have an entirely different um, sensation when you look at a piece of artwork. And directly, rather than you look at it in a book or online or whatever, uh, in a movie, uh, because you could pick up so much more uh, information from from a, an actual thing right in front of you than you can when you're when you're being separated by uh, film and uh, and different reproduction techniques and and processes that that go into making making books so um yeah. <laughs> uh, there's nothing there's nothing that replaces seeing things in person really and um and that's that's very basic that's very basic even 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 for me which and i know i know i've I don't know everything. I know a lot <laughs> just from being, I've made mistakes in my, in my collecting. Um, it took me a while to, to understand all the um, ins and outs and what, what is legitimate and what isn't. Yeah. But you know, it, it... I don't call them mistakes because that's how you learn, right? But sure, if yeah, you liked right. it, you liked it. Unless you you were just doing it for, you know, <laughs> yeah. Just if you're collecting for financial reasons and you make a mistake, yeah. well, then that sucks. But if yeah. you're collecting for both, then you go, hey, you know, I like it, you yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah. that's right. That's, and and yeah, I don't I don't I don't collect for financial reasons. I I probably more collect for historical reasons because I like I like looking at art of the past and um and what what went into it and so forth and and what it meant to the people at the time and and 
Uh, I mean, you learn so much from from art. You learn. I mean, even ge- even geography, you can learn from art. From from or 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 sometimes even you know closer up, even math, you can learn because because the early artists used mathematical um, formulae uh, in design in their designing. So there's all kinds of things that um, that a person can glean from almost any artwork, almost anyone. And, there, and, there, and that goes to where, I mean, there's, just because something is old doesn't mean it's valuable either. So um, it might just be, it might be valuable to you because of the curiosity and you find it interesting. So, I mean, everybody is different in, in what they like, what they decide to collect or, or not. So anyway, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, because well, I think the whole collecting thing is interesting because it's well, I know you're working on the museum, right? And so right. a lot of times these, you know, engravings and prints from engravings become part of um, a collection and people that do collect, sometimes that's a source of collecting and income and capitalism. And then sometimes it's like, saving from history and the people yeah. you've collected i mean we've ended up doing stories on it's like well they would have been under the radar if you didn't get it and write an article and come on a podcast like we would never know <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i mean you've yeah. had to do digging on some of these people and um i just think you know some artists of the past and they were prolific but they just get swept up under the rug for all kinds of reasons you know well and- yeah i mean Yes, exactly. Um, there's so many, so many things I, I always collect because I have a, a, a reaction that, uh, to a piece that I see and I think, oh, that is really neat. I, I really like that. I think I'll get it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know anything about the artist. I'm just reacting to the artwork. And, um, for me, that's, that's, that's the most important thing about it. Some people collect because, well, because there's a historical um, rationale for people who collect art because they think it's going to appreciate it. So, so it, it, they're buying it now for a certain price, and you know they're they're gambling basically, like a stock market. That in ten or twenty years, it's going to double. So, so there are people that do collect for that reason, and usually they're collecting names of artists that are hot at a particular period of time uh, when they're, when they're in search of something to buy. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't as far as appreciation goes in, in value. And um, it's just, I mean, if that, if that's their only thing, if that's their only reason that they, they, they bought something and it doesn't appreciate. Now they're now they're they're got a painting that they don't especially like, <laughs> and uh, maybe and and it's it's it doesn't have the value if they want when they when they want to sell it because they probably will want to sell it. It's just like people sell stocks or trade stocks, you know. It's it's not it's I I um you know their reason their reason for reason for collecting to me is is um not great but mm. then again i mean those people that do that uh, probably have enough 
enough funds to not worry about yeah about uh, it not appreciating okay so what about mono printing isn't that kind of a form of engraving remember we saw that at that one gallery you you gave us a, like a demonstration of it um it was back in in the days when the gallery was in hurley well i remember i remember that that experience of of mono printing and um Mono printing is a is a uh, I will it's a, it's always on top you know it's always on the surface of the paper so it's not it doesn't go in uh, into the paper uh, well in a in a in a physical way uh, other than absorption okay so so it's a little different but um, I think what, one of the one of the things that we've also talked about in relationship to that is the the progression of printmaking, I guess we'll, we'll call it, um, for, from, from, from first uh, like the armor is that we talked about, just just recording the the uh, design to actually making thinking of the the work that's done on metal and printed as being as engraving and, and engraving is, is also a term for the printing process. So it gets a little, it's used in a number of ways. So, um, and we, we, we know about other printing, printing stuff. I mean, because I collect prints and, and I've talked, we've talked about them so many times, but, but there's wood blocks, uh, there's etching, there's uh, lithography. I mean, all kinds of, all kinds of, of printmaking processes and um, probably engraving was the first one because we originally had in, in, like people would incise on clay um, meaning they just kind of make a, a depression in the clay and they sometimes it's fired sometimes it's not they never called it engraving but but it was, oh. a, was a process it was a process that was was different it was a design process um, woodblock and uh, woodblock was early. Uh, I would say wood, wood. I mean, there were woodblocks in the 15th, definitely the 16th. There's not not a lot of them floating around because they're probably um, all in in museums or libraries, and they were used to illustrate Bibles. They were used to illustrate um, other things. Um, Bibles especially, and they would be just probably little two-inch square um, draw or drawings, designs that would illustrate what was going on in the in the in the scripture at the time, um, in the place in the of the, of the Bible. So, um, I think it's interesting that that all these processes are still being used. I mean, it's yeah. not that like you not like you had to go from you know you you not like you had to go from one to the other like like an automobile manufacturer you know where you have a com a simple engine two cylinders and you go to four then you go to eight and everything and now nobody wants a two cylinder engine so so it it was that it's the market the market for all kinds of um, engraving uh, all kinds of graphic techniques that um, are still are still there and um, are still interesting. And still, if you're an artist, you're probably going to prefer one more than the other. But mm -hmm. um, 
because each one of these has a different um, set of skills. And I, um, I, thing, I, yeah, so I agree with you. I think it's fascinating, and at the same time, I have to bring this up because you mentioned clay, and then I think of stone and the engraving tombstones mm-hmm. that has that's a whole other topic tombstone art i want to do something on that so bad because i okay, find it well, fascinating because there's sculptures and there's art with it there's the yeah. process of the written word i mean sometimes you know um it, it, it just i love going to graveyards i i it's okay you know, i'm not weird but it is a form of <laughs> no, no, no. historians I, do that they go and make um like they use like a penny or whatever. And as kids, we did that where yeah. you you did a like a relief. You'd go put a piece right. of paper over the tombstone and, you know, take a pencil and, and things like that. Sure. And then you'd get what was written because sometimes it's they get so worn out that the tombstone, yeah. is you can't read it. So yeah. Um, that's yeah, a whole other right. thing. <laughs> well, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a topic that would be fun to do. I think uh, I've always I've always liked cemeteries because because they they they're full of really interesting information for one thing, and you can see you know you can see you can see not not only personal history a little bit, um, but you can see history of communities. We've got a we've got a cemetery just uh, probably seven miles away from where I live right now that was that was from it's it's abandoned now and the the town is abandoned but in the you go visit their cemetery and it's all these children's tombstones oh and because because there was a terrible uh plague of smallpox that came through in the 18 probably 1880s and just about wiped out the town so there's, I mean, there's you, you see, you see personal stuff, and then you realize what you're seeing in a bigger picture, and you and you realize there was community, it was a community wide event here, and uh, and you you can see the the evidence of it. So but don't start yeah. me on graveyards because I I'll, that's a whole other hour. Um, but <laughs> but but we have been to Wilcox, Arizona, down the road from you. Um, yeah. the graveyard where um, Wyatt Earp's brother was buried after being mm-hmm. in a brawl at which I think is a taste winery <laughs> downtown and got shot and people were walking over him while he was dead body walking over <laughs> him to get into the store at the time back in the 1800s you know yeah and um, yeah. we went to his his tombstone and then we were looking at someone else's and a snake came out I find snakes in graveyards everywhere and it's like they, we <laughs> now decided that graveyards actually are part of our park tour, our Love Your Park <laughs> tour, because they are resting spaces. They're quiet. Yeah. They're peaceful. They're a place for wildlife, including snakes. Um, and people that I know, family has, and they're they're preserving history, but they are yeah. in uh, just as much need as our um, parks in regards to funding and being maintained. And so right. sometimes master gardeners will go in and take care of the plots. Um, plots are still being discovered. Now we have laser technology that helps find plots and tombstones that are underground, depending. Like mm-hmm. if you're in Louisiana, they put you above because you can be floating down. Um, there's all kinds of, I, I mean, it is so fascinating. And sadly, we're losing what's on these tombstones. And there's markings. There's we talked about this when we talked about Celtic art. I mean, mm-hmm. there's certain crosses that mean certain things. 
the symbolism or symbolism, depending on what country you're from, um, right. is fascinating. But anyway, see, I'll go on a whole tangent. I think, <laughs> well, because I'm going to graveyards, I learned about people I didn't know about. Like sure. famous historic people that I didn't know about in history. Yeah. You know, um, I, when my yeah. when my mom when my mom died, we she lived with us here in Silver City mm-hmm. and when she passed away, uh we 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 had her cremated. However, we went to the cemetery because there's a there's a there's an area where you can put plaques up of people who died. Well anyway uh, she's she's she is she is in I guess sort of interred in a rose garden. Uh, oh, taken nice. care of by the, the the gardening club here in Silver City, and the person that the small cemetery. But Billy the Kid's mother is there. So so see, um, see that's cool. Was, yeah, yeah, oh. it is. It is. Yeah, I remember your so, mom. She was a gentle soul. Yeah. And I remember her having like a little beer in the in the afternoon, like you know she yeah, liked, yeah. she was she yeah. was she was a little life wire, you know, and she just had a she <laughs> yeah, had a she good was. soul. I remember I remember her very well, Nancy and I, and and you've you've painted her too, you know. I I still it, yeah yeah you had you had the 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 whisk the beating the beaters in her painting yeah 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 okay yeah, was, that's a whole it, other it was. <laughs> Yeah, she was my model toward the end. Yeah, so people must always ask you about that. Like, why do you have beaters next to your mom in a painting? Well, actually, actually, that painting was there was a cat. I did a cat painting with Mm -hmm. beaters in it, right? Yeah. So anyway, well, (laughs) that's everybody. uh, Victoria's, you know, uh, (laughs) contemporary figurative artist. And when you go go, there's a lot of cats. There's horses. There's all kinds of things that she paints and whatever moves you it's your art and i love your art nancy does too and i know a lot of people that do and, and you've got the motion down a hundred percent whether it's a human a, a cat a beater you have the motion and the movement <laughs> you understand those little glimpses and i always just think that's just a one observant person and then knows how to put it out there for the world and <laughs> art we really appreciate it so everyone victoriachick.com is a website to keep up with victoria her article on the art of engraving is up on blendradioandtv.com. All the links are in the show notes, as always. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Victoria. It's always a fun conversation. We always go down other roads, which we love. So I think our next conversation has to be graveyards. I really think so. We'll, we'll do something. Okay. We'll do a special. I'll bring family history people on, too. We'll do like a special graveyard show. I got I got people. <laughs> I got graveyard okay. people. Like that's a weird thing to say. I, Lisa, I am writing graveyard down here in my my notebook. So I <laughs> oh, remember. that's great. Okay. You're gonna wake up in okay. the morning and go, "What was that? <laughs> what was that dream?" Ah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Victoria. You take care. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. You can view Victoria Chick's artwork at victoriachick.com. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com.